0: this, you know, you finally get the flip, you finally get started, you recording videos a la me, walking <laughs> through it, because so you feel like, you know, you're on your way towards it. Talk about your emotions having that hold up, knowing you still got to pay an a interest-only loan, and the fact that you work a nine-to-five while you're trying to figure out how to get to this permanent point? Walk people like your emotions at that point.
1: I was angry. I ain't even gonna lie. I it was so many times I felt like inviting my contractor outside. Like we about to we about to square up because <laughs> you fucking <up. laughs> Turn this up,
2: turn this, this You're listening to the official 9 to 5 CEO podcast. This is the show where two nine to fivers discuss gems, strategies, and how to survive, the lifestyle of balancing a job? and building a business. And now, here are your hosts, Tremaine Robinson and Zena Dixon.
0: Hello and welcome to the 9to5CEO podcast. I'm one half Tremaine, aka the 9to5landlord.
1: And I'm Zena Dixon, aka Zena Dixon Inc.
0: Welcome, welcome. So in this episode, we're going to talk about Zena just completed her first flip while working a nine to five and just the ups and downs and how everything ended. So, Zena, first of all, how you feeling?
1: I'm feeling good. Somebody bumping through the block with their music blasting. <laughs> I didn't want to hear that. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, the flip overall, I want to say it was amazing, like getting that experience firsthand because, you know, we, me and my husband, we have you know, birds that we've done in Philly, but I wasn't hands-on. Like, I would pick things out here and there. We would talk about issues here and there, but he was ma- mo- um, mainly the one, you know, doing the day-to-day um, stuff. So this this market in Chicago um, that I'm spearheading, I was, you know, able to do the first flip by myself from start to finish, <laughs> getting the funding all the way to closing So that experience is invaluable. And it's a skill that people can monetize. Like a lot of people can't manage a flip. So that's like a skill that I'm glad that I now have under my belt. Um, That said, it came with a lot of ups and downs. (laughs) (laughs) Shermaine, you know, we would be texting. I'd be like, like screaming at the top of my lungs. Like, oh my God, this is so awful. Um, But overall, it it really, um, it helped me um one be able to leap over issues that um most people most people would would have gotten taken out
0: for sure for sure so to take it back when did you purchase this flip how did you find it and you know kind of walk me through the process of looking for a flip while you know working nine to 95
1: <laughs> so the funny thing is i wasn't even looking for the flip i had been trying to buy property out in Chicago for a minute. I had at one point three multifamilies under contract trying to buy them. And all of those deals fell through for one reason or another. Um, inspections, you know, the whole nine. And I was really discouraged. And I was like, man, forget this. I'm about to go on vacation. I had booked an Airbnb for like a month. <laughs> I had booked and paid for it, everything. And I had got an email from this group that does, you know, wholesaling out here. And it was a property in Oak Park and I love Oak Park. If anybody's familiar with Oak Park and, um outside of Chicago, it's a really, really nice suburb. And the um I didn't look at my email until like four o'clock that afternoon and typically once they send out the email, like 10 minutes later, they send another email out that the property's been sold. That's how fast things move out here, um, especially in that area. So it was like four o'clock in the afternoon. I saw that email. I was like, wait a minute, oh Park, let me call this guy and see if this is still available. And I was like, this is still available? He said, yeah. And I was just like, no, I was like, this can't be, I need to see it. So he was like, you want to see it? I'm five minutes away. So all these things just stacking up to be like kismet you know and so I was like all right I'm five minutes away so we meet up there I walk through and my eyes you know like the star emoji the star eye emoji that was me right I was like yo this is gonna be so dope the price was good the location was good and I had the money so it's just like this was meant to be like all these things are stacked up I'm ready to go and this deal kind of fell in my lap so I signed the paperwork right then and there. I gave my earnest money right on the porch of the property, everything on cell phones. And um, I was under contract.
0: <laughs> well, how much? How much did you work? Was you able to buy the property
1: for? It was 250
0: Okay. And, and the rehab side, what was you eyeballing for a rehab when you got it?
1: About 100
0: Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So for the people that's listening, that's thinking that you have to come out of this cash, can you kind of explain the back end to how that worked
1: as far as financing the actual flip? Absolutely. So um, I found a hard money lender. um, And at this time, this was still when the banks was like being crazy. Some banks was going out of business. Interest rates was high. Hard money lenders. Money was high. Like everybody was high. Right. But I found this hard money lender that was um, going to give me nine point. Was it nine point five percent interest? Interest only, you know, um, loan. And I was just like, wow, because everybody was doing double digits. 12%, 13%, 15%. 12%, 13%, 15%. So for me, that was just uh, again it was just like another thing like I'm supposed to get this because ain't nobody out here getting these kind of numbers. Mm-hmm. So um I had to come up with 15% and the reason why was because it was my first, you know, flip out here um and he just wanted to hedge against, you know, um, you know, hedge against the risk, you know, with 15% down and um, he was just like, any deal we do after that, you'll you know you'll just do ten or five percent, whatever. So I was like, all right, cool. Um, so I was expecting like fifteen percent. So I I had that money already. So they so I had to come with fifteen percent. So that's me having skin in the game, and they finance the rest of that plus hundred percent of the rehab. Um, so that's that's how I got into that deal. That's you know, and we was able to close like in fourteen days. Um, you already know Theodore. He. <laughs> He comes through in a clutch, but you got to be on his ass to get him to, you know, follow through and stuff like that. But it's been a good working relationship so far. Um, and as, when I got to the closing table, um, do you want me to tell that funny story about how I couldn't get the money? Yep. <laughs> so, you know, at the closing, I had to bring, you know, my money. And that morning, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get a wire and the bank is like, no, we you know, you can't wire that much money. And I was just like, yo, I'm buying a house today. I, I need my money. they was like, well, you should have made an appointment and came in and got the money. Like it was just a whole bunch of a whole bunch of stuff. So basically what turned from our typical process of closing turned into like four hours because we had I had to find a, a local bank, which is not local, because I, I bank with Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo is not allowed in, in Chicago. So I had to go to another suburb and you know. It was just a mess.
0: During the working day, right?
1: During the working day. Yeah. So on top of that, I'm checking my emails, my work emails. I'm responding to issues and stuff like that. And I get to the bank and they're like, well, we can't give you the whole thing. We could give you a cashier's check. I was like, I don't care how you got to give it to me. Just give it to me. So I get back to the closing. So I get back to the closing And it was so funny because, you know, Tremaine was like, are you going to take a picture? You know, the closing table picture. I look like a straight homeless person. I didn't want to take a picture. I was so stressed out. (laughs) The whole time I was like, should I be doing this? Should I be doing this? But I just, I just followed through, you know, I was already committed. So it was like, you know, game time. So after the closing, I text my contractor, somebody I had been setting up. You know to work with and i was like get the permits we we start you know he was like all right we'll get start monday with the demo um and we just we just flew from there and this was in october
0: dope no no that's fire that's fire so you're <laughs> on the property you got your keys and you was able to rehab it in 60 days like you had planned right
1: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so i anticipated this flip to be no more than eight weeks ten weeks max because of the scope of work, what we needed to do. The team that I had, they moved super fast. Um, like the demo and the framing was done in like, I would say three days. So I was just like, yo, we gonna move through this so fast. Everything came to a screeching halt when he went to get the permit. Because one, he didn't get the permit when I told him to get it when we first closed. He waited until after the demo and the framing was done because he wanted to get started. The permit process needed architectural plans, by a license architect and I didn't have that. I didn't even know I needed that. So that put that just threw the whole schedule out the out the water because um It took me about three weeks to find an architect that would work within my budget, because when you get a scope, when you get a rehab from a hard money lender or anybody, you've already allocated the money towards what you need to do in that rehab. I didn't have another eighty five hundred dollars for an architect and I definitely didn't um, allocate an additional three weeks to the to the schedule for finding an architect but that's what happened and I feel like that was just a sign of things to come
0: <laughs> so walk me. so you get this you know you finally get the flip you finally get started you record videos I of me walking through <laughs> it because so you feel like you know you're on your way towards it talk about your emotions having that hold up knowing you still got to pay an a interest only loan and the fact that you worked a nine to five while you're trying to figure out how to get to this permit point. Walk me through like your emotions at that
1: point. I was angry. I ain't even gonna lie. I it was so many times I felt like inviting my contractor outside. Like we about to we about to square up because <laughs> you fucking up. <out. laughs> but that is the passion of I think investors. Like, like you said, it's a whole bunch of variables that's moving no matter what is going on with that project. That interest is accruing, that carrying the cost is accruing, the time is you know getting by. And it's just like, and then work, like work don't stop. You can't tell your manager, oh, I got to take care of this issue. You know, they're just like, Zena, we need you on this meeting. That's going to be two hours and we're going to talk about nothing, but we need you to be there. You know, it, it's, it's like a delicate balancing act trying to figure out how you're going to maneuver doing all the things and getting things done both on the nine and five side and your project side. Um, luckily I work remote. So my job doesn't need to know that I'm chained to the desk and that they could look at me all day. Um and I'm pretty responsive with everything that I do. And I'm a high performer, like naturally in anything that I do. So I was always going above and beyond with work so I could like taper them off so I could focus on the the project. Um but um when that delay happened, I was I was mad discouraged because I was just like, this. Th- This throws off the timeline. And the reason why I was so upset is because I had 60 days before the first payment was due. This project could have been wrapped, you know, or close to being wrapped by that time. And I wouldn't have had to pay, you know, um, I, I didn't plan on paying too much in carrying costs. However, that didn't happen. This project actually lasted six months and three of the months was... During the during that holiday kind of phase in the wintertime, um, people on vacation from the permit office so you can't get the inspections when the inspection is done, we fail. We failed the inspection three times for everything. Mechanicals, um, the rough info for mechanicals, electric, like, and I was just like, what is going on? I was like, you guys are professionals. Why are we failing these inspections? However, um, I did learn that it's best to work with contractors that's from that area. They know the process inside and out. They probably have relationships with the inspectors, which will help things go a little bit more smoothly. Um, and the other thing, which was the major thing, is um, when I submitted my plans, the the village they had to review them and all of that. They added everything that they wanted done to the property on the plans. And if my contractor had followed the plans, we would have passed inspection each time. We would have got out the project really quickly. But
0: so from the time period that you were stopped into the time period you stopped, you start was able to start again once you passed. What was that time period? So you stopped. For the permit in when, October or November?
1: So we stopped for the permit and um, at the end of November. Because remember, I said we did demo and framing within the first three days of having the property. Um, And then he went to apply for the permit. And that's when he told me, oh, we need an architect. And I was just like, you didn't notice? And he was like, nah, because usually I could just draw it up and they'll accept it. But that's in Chicago. That's not in Oak Park. So, again, that's the reason why you want to work with contractors that's familiar with the area because or someone that just does their due diligence. And it's not to throw that contractor under the bus because, you know, once they did start to get get going, they were fast and they was getting things done. It was just when you're an investor and you're depending on your contractor or your GC to move the project along and something this big happens, you're like, how did you miss this? You know, so let's learn.
0: <laughs> For sure. So once you were able to pick back up work, which is January, correct? Yes. OK, so you pick back work of January. Talk about kind of your mind frame and how things went shortly after that.
1: So um, my mind frame at that point, when we passed the rough ends, I was just like, you know, buying everything. I was I was buying everything that I would need for this project because I was like I can't have no delays with the shipping because it was still some residual delays from COVID with shipping and stuff like that and, and and availability. Um and I was just like I was just I was at the site like almost every day, making sure something is happening, something is moving. Um and I don't know. It, it I, I learned a lot during the process. I learned a lot about just how the process goes, um, the inches that the toilet needs to be from the sink, like all these different things I learned during that process. And I just knew that I had to stay on top of them on top of the crew every day, like asking what's what's going to be done by the end of the day. I'm coming back through. You know, I want to make sure that those things are done. I just had to really tighten up everything from that point on because I had lost so much time.
2: Do you work a nine to five or looking to add more value to your five to nine through rental property investment? rental property management does not have to be difficult confusing or impossible while you work your day job Tremaine aka the 9 to 5 landlord 414 presents 9 to 5 landlording 101 for beginners this complete guide will help you to manage your rental units while you focus on your 9 to 5 and Tremaine will give you the entire blueprint the tools and the processes he's personally used to manage his rental unit portfolio while working his 9 to 5 grab yours today at 9 to 5 landlord414.gumroad.com. That's 9 to 5 landlord414.gumroad.com. It's 9 to 5 Landlording 101 for beginners by Tremaine aka the 9 to 5 Landlord 414. If you're looking to buy your first multifamily property but don't know where to start, don't worry any longer. We have a solution for you. Book a 101 60-minute call with Zena Dixon today. In our time together, you will receive the answers to your questions, insight into your goals, and an action plan that you can put into motion to start you and your family on your wealth-building journey. Investing in multifamily real estate was the beginning for countless millionaires, and now is your turn. Book with Zena Zena Dixon today at calendly.com forward slash Zena Dixon, I-N-C. That's calendly.com forward slash Z-E-N-A-D-I-X-O-N I-N-C. Also see the link in the show notes.
0: So you start back up in January. When did you guys officially finish to where the rehab was done?
1: So the we officially finished um, in April and we propped to be perfectly honest, we probably wouldn't have moved into the to the phase of staging and listing if I just didn't make an executive decision to be like, I know we haven't passed the finals yet because we kept failing the finals as well. I was just like, I'm gonna move forward because everything was done. We just needed to go through the final inspections. So I hired the staging company. I hired a um. I found a real estate agent. I was like, list it. Don't do that <laughs> to people. <laughs> Don't do that. Do not list your property until the finals is done because can you imagine trying to get the finals for your project done while going through the inspection from the buyer? So you got two things coming at you at once, all the things that the village wants you to do to get your final inspections, and all the things that the that the um that the buyer's inspector gave you, you know, a list of things that they that they found. When I tell you, I feel like, I lost all my hair. Like I felt like I'm going to be strictly bald because this is so stressful. But if I didn't do it like that, we would we would have missed the window because there was a particular window of um, based on data of houses that sell the fastest in the springtime. And that's around April 27th. And I, I, I targeted that date. For us to list around that time. And I think it was a good, it was a good bet to do because the house was only on the market for less than a week. Um, again, I was still going through my final inspections when the oh. house was on the contract.
0: <laughs> so I have a question. So when you say final inspection, can you tell the people what you're actually referring to? On, yes. on your side, not, not the buyer's side.
1: Right. So the final inspection is the village's inspection or the city's inspection of all the work that has been done. Um, at that point, they want the house to be moving ready and they inspect everything, you know, light fixtures, closures. They they inspect everything. And we kept failing it. We failed it three times. Um, and I was just like I was <clears throat> every time I would have an inspection, my heart would be pounding in the morning because I was like, please don't let us fail. Please, please don't let us fail. And I would go to the site and they would fail us. And I would just be looking at my contract and like, what the fuck? This is supposed to be the easy part, you know, but <laughs> it wasn't.
0: <laughs> mm, mm, okay. No, that makes sense. So once you finally passed the inspection, you already had an offer.
1: I was already on the contract.
0: Okay. Okay. So
1: it's it mad risky because what happened was, um, the, the inspector was, you know, citing these things. Right. And I was like, this was passed. This was inspected by the village. This was inspected by the village. This is good. This is good. Because they wanted me to make these changes. I was like, if the village passed it, you gonna are have to be good with it. And they was like, well, we want to see the final inspections. I didn't have them yet because I was still fighting In to process. get them done and passed. So can you imagine the stress from this situation? So I just was like, I, I was just I was just on their ass. I had the list. I had the guys there. I was like, is this done? Is this done? Is this done? Oh, this isn't done. No, do it now. Do it now. And it was like I had to pull this thing over the finish line, like literally pull it over the finish line because the buyer's inspector and the attorney was asking for the final inspection and I didn't have it. So I had to get that shit done or I was going to you know, lose this deal.
0: So from how many days from them asking to you having it was it between?
1: I would say maybe a week. But what happened was because you know like when you go through the fin- the when you're going through the closing process, everything is communicated through your attorney. So I had some time because I would respond at the end of the day, and my attorney she was busy. She has like a hundred closings a month, so she's you know dealing with her clients. So she would respond to their attorney at the end of the day. So that's how I would stagger it. So, I buy myself sometime.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> so, how high low were your emotions through the actual offer process and get to the closing? Because a lot of times people think that when you get a contingent offer, you're doing your numbers right. I owe this much. I'm going to make this much. I'm good. But you have a whole 30 day period of things to finish between. So, can you kind of walk us through like your emotions from the time period of I have an accepted offer to the actual closing date?
1: Yes. So, um, we got an offer. The same day as the open house. Um, later that night, I would say around nine o'clock, I talked to my agent and she was presenting the offers to me and she was like, I think you should go with this one. This is the strongest one. And they were the strongest one on paper. Um, but that doesn't tell you how much of an asshole people are gonna be or how difficult they're gonna be, um, which they were. They were very difficult. <laughs> Um, But it's understandable because you're buying a half a million dollar property. This is your first home. You know, you have a little baby. What was your
0: listing price and what did the offer come in at?
1: Um, The listing price was 500 and they they offered twice. They came in at 508 and then we asked for highest and best and they came in at 528.
0: So you're almost (laughs) 30,000 above asking in this market.
1: In this market. It's
0: a recession though. (laughs)
1: if you if you do your deal right um and your and your product is good it's going to sell that's what i've just been finding across you know different markets if if your your product is stellar people and people because people are chomping at the bit to buy actually it's just that there's hardly any good inventory um a lot of the houses in in the market that i'm in um they're they're nice houses but they're older they they haven't been updated they're not um They're not ready for the modern family, you know, in terms of the core and design and stuff like that. So I knew my property was going to stand out on the market, like bar none. Um, So I was really confident in that. Uh, And this person, they had a VA loan. So they had pretty much guaranteed money, you know, from being in the military. It's a little bit more scrutinizing. I think it's not as bad as FHA, but VA is still a little scrutinizing. Um but, but like I said, the, the 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 closing was very this period was very stressful because the buyer's agent was way too invested personally and it made it made for a very difficult situation. It had even got to the point where I told him he can't come onto my property anymore. But that's another story. Okay. <laughs> so um from the close from the from the offer being offered the, the day of the open house and we got into closing. They the contract originally was for them to close in 14 days. So that would have brought us around the end of May. Um, and then they needed an extension because of the inspections, the the inspections and the attorney review. So what I anticipated was I won't have to do any more carrying costs. I can get rid of the insurance, I could get rid of the utilities, the the interest payment for the hard money, but then I had another payment because you know we got into the next month. And we didn't actually close until um a couple of days ago, a few days last week. Was it last week? I can't remember. <laughs> it was such a fog.
0: <laughs> last week.
1: Last week, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was uh, um interesting experience. And the other thing, the inspector that the buyers had was he knocked it out the park. It made it difficult for me as the seller. But when I think about what due diligence buyers should have, even us as investors, we want to have an inspector that was like him because he um, he was just everywhere. And I was just like, wow, I've never seen this amount of due diligence done ever with all the properties that me and my husband have bought, with properties that other people have bought. He, he was amazing. I was like, he got to be on my payroll the next property I buy for sure. <laughs>
0: Okay, dope, dope. So you end up closing. So the final numbers is you had it, you know, you bought it, you owed this amount, and you broke even, right?
1: So um, I bought it for two hundred and fifty, which I could have got lower um, because when you when you deal with wholesalers, they they do have a markup and assignment fee. You you can negotiate that down, but I thought the I thought the price was so good at that point um, that I was I didn't even think about negotiating, but. You could just want to put that out there. Um, so it was two fifty a hundred thousand for the rehab. So that brings me at three fifty. And we sold at five twenty-eight. So that's almost two hundred thousand dollars. Um, and I walked away w- with a check for one fifty after my agent was paid and all the fees was paid.
0: While working a nine to five.
1: While working a nine to five. <laughs>
0: That is fire. That is fire. So, um, you know, a lot of times when you are able to finish with a situation, you're able to reflect deeper. What are some things you feel emotion wise you're going to do different and are there anything you're going to kind of have to switch up with your workflow? Why you do your next one as far as like your emotions day in and day out?
1: I think the emotion part, I really won't be able to get away from. I know a lot of times, you know, and I've even said it, like you have to just be logical when you're doing business and real estate or any kind of business, but you do get emotionally invested because it's your money. Like it's like when you're looking at um, a $2,000 carrying cost just from the insurance alone, not talking about insurance or utilities, which utilities can, you know, vary greatly. Um, and this rehab was during the dead of winter in Chicago. So the heat was on 10. So I would get a bill for like $500. I was like, why is the heat so high?" you know? So um, I don't think you could really get away from the emotional aspect of it. But having better systems will help you manage things better. Um, so that you don't have those moments of, you know, being, feeling frantic or unprepared. Um, but some things you just learn on a fly, some things you just experience on a fly, like all the rehabs that I watched my husband do, I wasn't prepared for some of the things that I came across, you know, that I came up against, um, especially like a really, really, um, stringent village in their permit process, you know, um, but being prepared for the next one, because I know what to expect will take a whole load of, you know, stress off of me. But I wouldn't have known that ha- had I not gone through this process. So, but yeah, having having pro- um, systems in place helps you mitigate, you know, some issues, but some things that, you know, come out of left field, you just have to be able to pivot and, and be solution oriented.
0: For Sure, for sure. And my final question is, what would you tell somebody that's listening, that's motivated, that has a nine to five, that's like, you know what? I want to flip a property now.
1: Um, I would say to make sure that your numbers are good. Also be very conservative with your numbers, because the number that I gave my hard money lender, I said, I feel like this property will clear for 480, the sale, the ARV. So that was pretty conservative from 480 to 528 really conservative, but that just gave me peace of mind because I was just like, based on the numbers, I feel like this is still a good deal, no matter what, you know. um, The other thing is, if you can be, be close to your project because you need to go, especially if it's your first time, you need to be there like almost every day. Some people will say, oh, you don't need to be there every day. You could just FaceTime, da, 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 da. But FaceTime, people show you the good stuff. You got to go there to see for yourself. So you could get the whole picture Um, and just prepared to do a lot of handholding, even though you've you've hired a general contractor, which I suggest for your first, you know, maybe first few flip flips. Having a general contractor that's super competent, you would expect them to know everything and be guiding you. But a lot of times your intuition, your research, your um, your what you've learned in different podcasts or classes um may supersede what he's telling you. So you have to, you have to have enough information to make those executive decisions so you can move the project forward. And you also have to take risks. I took a huge risk by putting the property on the market when we hadn't. You know, pass the final inspections. That was huge. Like, what if I would have never passed them and they're asking for the final inspections? And I'm like, oh, I don't have it. The the deal would have been dead in the water. And then it would have looked bad to place the property back on the market because they'd be like, well, what happened? You know, so I'm trying to establish my reputation in the area. A lot of brokers was at the open house. They was like, "When is the next property you're going to do?" So they're already looking for me to do something similar in that area. So I would, I would have fumbled the ball, you know, fumbled the bag and the ball if I if I didn't come through and and take that measured risk. But don't do that. <laughs> don't do that.
0: <laughs> for sure, for sure. Well, that's gonna do it for this episode. You've heard live and direct you know, how to actually flip a property while working nine to five. It is possible. You don't have to quit your job to do either or, but you will be busy between both of them.
1: Absolutely.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Nine to Five CEO Podcast. I'm one half Tremaine, AKA the Nine to Five landlord.
1: And I'm Zena Dixon, AKA Zena Dixon Inc.
0: All right, y'all be blessed.